Welcome. You're listening to Strength for the Hour, the radio outreach of Fruit of the Vine Ministries in Louisville, Ohio. We're passionate about strengthening you with deep truths from the Word of God and bringing hope to the world through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, My words are spirit and they are life. So may you experience new life from this message today by John Davison. With shalom and God bless you. Welcome to Fruit of the Vine Ministries. My name is John Davison. We are in just an awesome, awesome, exciting study going through understanding Ephesus and the book of Ephesians. Now we're starting out in Acts chapter 19 where the Apostle Paul first goes to Ephesus. This is on his third missionary journey. And we've already explored some really great foundational topics that we really may need to make sure that you have grasped and understood before we move forward the further. So if you've missed any of the previous broadcasts, I would just encourage you, go back and listen to the previous broadcasts on our, on our Ephesians study here so that you can catch up before we jump into the actual book of Ephesians and really start into your lifestyle training and learning how to really walk and understand and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and submit to the Holy Spirit. Now, last time we got together, we discussed... The kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God is and, and how the kingdom of God is within you, how you are God's building, God's temple. If you're born again, if you know Yeshua Jesus as your, as your Lord and Savior, your Messiah, if you've laid down your life, you've made that commitment, Holy Spirit comes in as, as the deposit upon your life. And then you go through this, this, this lifestyle of submitting to the word of God and allowing the kingdom of God to continue to, to advance inside of you. Scripture tells us that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. And a lot of people misunderstand that, that, that scripture there. In other words, the kingdom of God itself has an enemy, and, and, and this is, this is the adversary, this is, this is Satan. The kingdom of God has an enemy, and it suffers violence. In other words, the enemy tries to do certain things, in the life of a Christian, in the life of a, a born-again believer, that stops the kingdom of God advancing. However, it says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. However, the violent take it by force. And so I'm going to use some terminology here through the rest of this study, and I just want to set this right up. I'm going to say violently. I'm going to say, if you will violently do this, or, or if you violently adhere to this. And what I mean by that is not physically violent, but spiritually aggressive. In other words, if you spiritually, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. And that word violent simply means uh, with purpose, intent, focus, radically grasping, grabbing a hold of and moving and advancing in the kingdom of God in ranks and allowing the kingdom itself to be made manifest in your life, through your life, and so that you can walk like Jesus in this world. And that's what it means for the kingdom to suffer violence, but for the violent to take it by force. It's those who are actively engaging in growing into the image of Jesus Christ till we reach the fullness of Christ in us. And the more we, the more we suppress and the more that we no longer listen to our flesh and our fleshly desires, what our, what our, what our old nature wants to do, the more that the Holy Spirit can, can work with us as we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. We think differently now and we're washed with water by the word of God. The word of God changes things. So we left off in Acts chapter 19 and this is the Apostle Paul. He is in, he is in Ephesus. 
I'm going to read this to you, and we're going to discuss this for the next two broadcasts. We're going to discuss Acts 19 here and really kind of break this down a little bit because I want to talk about what gets set up in the life of a believer that will hinder you that will hinder you from advancing and from violently taking the kingdom by force and being conformed to the image of Christ. So Acts 19, verse 21. After these things, now remember, the, 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 the Christians and the people that were believers in Ephesus, they, they, they saw this thing happen where, where the demons beat up these people that were using the name of Jesus because they weren't born again, they were operating in their flesh, and all of a sudden the fear of the Lord fell on the church, and all of a sudden they're burning their books. So they're living... They're living their lives still based off of the way they used to live and the culture and customs around them, even though they profess Christ. Again, we talked about that earlier. So after these things happened, Paul determined in his spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, After I've been there, I must also go to Rome. He sent two ministers to him, Timothy and Erastus, into Macedonia, but delayed in Asia for a time. About that time, great trouble arose about the way. Now, the way he's talking about at this point in time, Scripture scripture doesn't necessarily call Christianity Christianity. <laughs> it was a sect. It was a way. It was a part of Judaism. In other words, the Messiah comes from the Torah. He comes from the Tanakh, all the Old Testament Hebrew prophets. So, so Yeshua Jesus here, he, he's Jewish. This is a Jewish faith. And it was just considered a way at this time. It was, it was, it was the way and it was the fulfillment of what was promised to the Israelite people. So, verse 24, Acts 19, For a silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines for Artemis, brought much business to the craftsmen. He gathered them together to work with the workmen of similar trades and said, Men, you know that by this trade we have our wealth. And you've seen here not only at Ephesus, but also throughout all Asia, that Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, saying that these things which are made by our hands are not God's. Now, not only is our trade, our money, our finances, our economy in danger of coming into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Artemis, who all Asia and the world worship. She may be discredited, and her magnificence might even be destroyed because of what he's preaching. When they heard this, they were full of anger and cried out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. The city was filled with confusion And in unison, they all seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, rushed into the theater. When Paul intended to go into the crowd, the disciples would not let him, even some of the rulers of Asia, who were his friends, sent to him, begging him not to venture into the theater. The assembly was confused, therefore some cried out one thing and some another, and some of them did not even know why they were there. The Jews pushed together, pushed forward Alexander to the front, and the crowd prompted him. Alexander motioned with his hands, wishing to make his defense to the mob. But when they learned that he was a Jew, for about two hours, they all with one voice cried out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. The city clerk quieted and crowd said, Men of Ephesus, what man is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is the guardian of the temple of which of great of the great Artemis and of the image which fell from heaven? Now, who fell from heaven? That is Satan. So listen, seeing then that these things are undeniable, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. And then they go into the rest of this. But I'm going to stop right there for just a moment. I want you to think about the attitude in the mind of these people for just a moment. I want you to put yourself in their shoes. First off, the temple of Artemis was in Ephesus. This was huge temple, huge temple. It was the center of their economy. The, the temple was realistically, it was like a stronghold for people's minds. 
it was powerful. It was visual. I mean, you can, you can just imagine the size of the temple as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. The power of the visual, the economic stability it brought, the constant sales of idols in the community, and the reenactments within the theater would keep people in a perpetual belief of a false deity. In other words, what's happening here? This is what I call, this is, oh, you got to hear me now. This is what's called a stronghold. A stronghold is a place that has been fortified so as to protect it against attack. In other words, a place where a particular belief is strong and it's defended or upheld. Christians tend to have strongholds. Now listen, Jesus already bought and paid for you not to have strongholds. But when you get born again, there's still thought patterns that the enemy uses. Now, this doesn't mean they're your thoughts. But there's still thought patterns that the enemy uses so that you think it's just the way that you think. And he brings thoughts to your mind. In other words, the temple was huge. These people were so used to the temple bringing them profit. It's their economic base. So much so that they ended up building the theater. Now the theater, and here's the interesting part, the theater still stands to this day. You can visit this very theater in Ephesus, in Turkey. This theater was not only just a regular theater as in, uh, you know, they would have plays, but the theater in this day, the theater is what promoted the lifestyle of what the temple goddess would have promoted. So Artemis of the Ephesians was a multi-breasted fertility goddess. So she was a goddess of sexuality. So in the theater, you had the people reenacting and acting out sexual acts in the theater, which said, hey, this is what our goddess believes. This is what our goddess is there for. Look, we're being prosperous. We're promoting, look, having kids and selling and money and all these other things. And then all of a sudden you have the theater and then attached to those things. Now in Ephesus, you have the bathhouses. The bathhouses of Ephesus were where people went and they had sexual immoral acts. They would be naked. Men having sex with men, women having sex with women. Anything went and anything goes because the goddess of fertility is the one in the, in the city. So now all of a sudden you have Paul coming in and telling the people who have a mindset of sexual immorality, a mindset of worshiping idols, a mindset of our goddess is prospering us because you can look at the financial gain that we have in this city. Look at how great we're doing. We're growing. We're expanding. We're getting bigger. Look, now we're building a bathhouse on the other side of Ephesus because there were multiple bathhouses in Ephesus. Well, now the theater is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And now this is the seven wonder of the world. So, so look, look at all of the traffic and the tourism that we have coming in. Man, we've got a great economy. Listen, listen, we're doing really good, Paul. I don't understand why you're coming in here telling us that life needs to be different. And some of them would say, well, yeah, you know what, man, maybe Paul is Maybe Paul is preaching the truth and then they would they would come to Jesus and they would say, man, yeah, I, Paul, listen, what you're saying is true. I see the miracles at your hand. I see the handkerchiefs that are healing the sick. I see all the things that you're doing. Man, Paul, this is really, really neat. But, you know, the temple is still here and, and we still got to make a living after all. And listen, we don't want to offend people. And listen, if that's what listen, if that's what I believe, that's cool. If they want to worship idols. I mean, hey, look, who's who's to judge? Right. Look, listen, I'm going to still. Um, go to the temple and I'm still going to read the books, uh, uh, the witchcraft books, and, and I'm still going to take part in that because listen, it's just really powerful. Look, I know what you're doing is powerful and I get all that and listen, but listen, 
I'll show up on Sunday morning and I'll pay tithes, okay? And listen, I'll even come and I'll volunteer and I'll help, I'll help, I'll help you, you know, rake around the church building. And, and hey, you know what? When, when it comes time for the holidays, listen, Paul, I am so there. We are going to put some, some baskets together for some homeless people. Look, Paul, we're going to get turkeys together and, and we're going to give, we're going to give food away. And listen, how about this? Every Saturday morning, Paul, listen, we will show up at the building. And we'll give food to people in need. How about that? Well, I'll even, I'll even donate my clothes because, Paul, I believe what you're doing is really good. And you know what? Here's some money to help you along on your journey. But let's just don't, don't, don't mess with the economy. Don't, don't mess with Ephesus because if, if, if the temple falls and, and if we have to give up all these things, man, we're going to look really strange. And, and so, you know, this is just the way we've always done things. This is just who I am. And, you know, Paul, I, I think what you're saying is good. I believe it. I see it. But, uh, it's just, uh, we, we just need to be careful. Let's just, how about this? How about we just make friends with people? And as we make friends with people, you know, maybe we'll get the opportunity to share Jesus with them. But we, we don't want to cause a problem. We don't want to cause riots. I mean, you're causing riots, dude. And I don't want to cause riots. So maybe, maybe, uh, I'm just, I'm just not, a, I'm not like you. I'm not a zealot. I'm just, you know, I believe I'm going to heaven. Hey, listen, look, I believe in Jesus too, but you got to calm down. I mean, doesn't this all sound familiar to you? Haven't you heard this, this rhetoric? This language, you got to understand that, that in, in any country, in any nation that has freedom, especially democracy, we've brought that democracy into a kingdom where we serve a king. See, the king sends decrees and he says, this is who you are and you are now my subject and this is the way I'm calling you to live. But we want to say, but yeah, but I know, but I can still do this, 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 and this. And well, we don't want to cause a ruckus. We don't want to, definitely don't want to cause a riot. We definitely don't want our preaching to cause a riot. But Paul here is, is causing a riot with his preaching because he's challenging the status quo because he's saying the culture and the things that you're normally a part of is not the kingdom of God. And you need to come out from among these things. And if you really want to walk in power and you really want to walk like Jesus, you need to embrace this new lifestyle and you've got to let the old pass away and you need to allow everything to become new. But the devil will set up what I call strongholds and what scripture even calls strongholds. And strongholds are things that we defend that are contrary to what God calls us to. The temple in many of these believers' minds was a stronghold. And they had to get over the stronghold of the temple. And they had to see some things. They had to see these men get beat and highly go, oh my goodness, wait a minute, Jesus is serious business. They needed the fear of the Lord to come on top of their lives. Listen, I would beg you to pray for the fear of God, the fear of the Lord, which is to reverence God and who he is and to reverence his word, to come over your life. I'm just going to, Father, just right now, I just release the fear of the Lord over everybody listening, Lord a reverence for your word, to put your word above their opinions, their culture, their family members, their experiences, and everything that they've ever come to up at this point that has hindered them from walking in the fullness of the faith. Holy Spirit, right now, I just release the fear of the Lord over the people of the God that we may walk in the fullness. Listen to what this scripture tells us. We need to break down strongholds. Strongholds are what are keeping us from walking just like Christ in this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Listen to this. Now I, Paul, verse 1, 
who am lowly in presence among you, but bold towards you while absent, appeal to you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I beg you that when I am present, I might have to be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we are walking according to the flesh. He is making a distinction. He's saying, some people think we're walking according to the flesh, but I'm going to tell you right now, you can't walk according to the flesh and walk like I can, is what Paul's saying. You cannot walk in the flesh and experience the supernatural lifestyle. You have to submit to the Holy Spirit, and you have to take every thought, everything you think you know, every experience you've ever had, and you need to have your experience what Jesus' experiences are. Listen, if your experience is not the experience of Jesus Christ, we need to continue to continue to build the kingdom of God within you so that you can come to fullness and maturity. How do we do that? Listen to what Paul says in verse 3 of chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians. For though we do walk in our flesh, in other words, we have to be in a body, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, they're not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What is this stronghold he talks about? Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. How? By bringing every thought that we have into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is made complete. What is he saying here? My goodness, this is jam-packed with wholesome, fresh meat for us to chew on. When our obedience is made complete, then we can go and bring others into the kingdom and build the kingdom further. We do that by recognizing anything in our thought life, anything the enemy brings back up that he says, isn't this who you are? Isn't this just the way that you are? Well, remember, I know that you said you got saved, but, you know, you, you can have a drink every now and then. Oh, you know what? It's okay. Listen, God is still speaking to you, so you can keep, still keep smoking marijuana. You know what? Listen, you can still get high with your friends. Look, you might be able to reach him if you just keep partying with those people. These are lies. These are strongholds. This is the, the devil trying to get you to operate in your flesh because he knows you're powerless when you walk in the flesh because you're not listening to the Holy Spirit. You need to recognize that the thoughts that you still have once you're born again are not your thoughts, even though you used to think that way. You need to recognize that old things have passed away and everything becomes brand new, which means your thoughts become brand new. So if a thought comes in that is not the thought of the new creation, even though it seems like it's an old thought, it's the enemy trying to bring up something that Jesus already bought and paid for to remove from your life. So it's either Jesus Christ paid to remove all of those things from you or Jesus Christ didn't finish his work. I recommend, I suggest we take the position that the work is finished through the blood of Christ, but that the enemy is trying to bring things back up to continue to enforce and try to build a stronghold to keep you from progressing and advancing in your walk so that you won't walk like Jesus. You'll always feel defeated You'll always feel like you're walking in guilt, condemnation, and shame because I just can't get out of this sin. Listen, Jesus paid for you to be out of sin. Jesus paid for you to be removed from sin. And just because a sin may happen doesn't mean that that is your identity. 
you are now a child of God and you are free from sin, but you have to operate from a position of faith and say, I am a child of God. I am free from sin and sin no longer has authority over me. And Father, I thank you that this is not who I am. I ask you to forgive me for this, but this is not me. And I can promise you that things will start to change because you'll see grace getting released over your life. These people in Ephesus, Paul had to explain to them, listen, you're born again and you're saved and you have the Holy Spirit. But it says he stayed there for two years teaching them. Two years. Jesus took three and a half years with the disciples. We need to build the kingdom. We need to recognize the thoughts that are coming into our head. And we need to realize that we need to cast down imaginations and everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. God's knowledge is that you're saved and you're born again. God's knowledge is that you're free from sin. You have to embrace that knowledge instead of allowing something in your thought life or in your life to raise itself up higher than what God says, who you are and what you are. If this wasn't the case, if you weren't really saved, then these things wouldn't bother you. In other words, when you lived in sin consciously all the time, when you lived in sin, you didn't enjoy these things. But now that you got born again, guess what? Now they bother you. That means the Holy Spirit is working, which means you are saved, which means you can be free from sin because Jesus paid for you to be free from sin. You just have to believe it. And we build the kingdom. We go from glory to glory, from faith to faith. The temple was a stronghold. What is a stronghold in your life? Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's sports. Man, this is such a big deal in the church. I got to touch on this. You spend two, three hours watching a game when you could be spending two or three hours in the Word of God so that you can cast down imaginations and walk like Jesus. You, you spend hours reading the, the stats in the newspaper and memorizing people, their names, where they went to high school, how they played in, in college. You, you remember all of these stats and all of these things, but yet you can't quote half the words of Jesus. You have something exalting itself higher than the knowledge of God. You need to cast these things out of your life. You need to purge anything that keeps you from the word of God and the will of God. If you're not walking just like Jesus walked, I'm going to tell you that you need to find the things that need to be purged so that this can become the reality of your life. Jesus is the word made flesh and dwelt among us, right? So, if we're being conformed to the image of Christ, then that means that the Word should be, be making flesh and becoming flesh. We should be walking examples of the Word of God. We should be living epistles, is what Peter says, written on the hearts of men. They can read the gospel. They can see the gospel in our lives. Not just because we volunteer at a church building. Not just because we do nice things. But because the born-again experience is manifesting everywhere we go. Strongholds will stop you from that. Your culture around you will try to stop you from that because it's not the norm. Or this is just not the way we do things around here. Well, what if I lose my job? Well, what if this? What if that? Listen, if you're more concerned about losing your job than the kingdom of God being built inside of you and the kingdom advancing and Christ being magnified among your coworkers then I would just ask you to repent.
because you laid down your life. When you came to Jesus Christ, you said, I give you my life for yours. I offered my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. In the renewing of my mind. I want my mind to be just like you. I want the mind of Christ to be activated. And whatever has to be purged from my life so that I can walk just like Jesus, I want it. Brothers and sisters, this is my heart's cry. This is my heart's cry for myself, for my family, for my city, for my nation, and for you. And it's God's heart's cry. And God said, listen, if you ask anything according to my will, it will be done to you. It is God's will for this to be made manifest. Ask him according to his will. And you'll see the glory of God magnifying your life. I just release the grace of God over you. I release the grace of God over you for the kingdom to be made manifest. For you to come to the fullness of Christ. As we continue this study and we talk a little bit more about the temple in the next broadcast and discuss a little bit more of the mentality of these people in these strongholds. Listen, just, I beg of you, ask the Holy Spirit to show you the strongholds in your life that is keeping you from being able to walk just like Jesus and make an impact for the kingdom of God. Father, I just thank you for people who are listening and hearing, who have eyes to see and ears to hear, Father, that they have a hunger for your word. I release a hunger for the word of God. I release a supernatural hunger for the word of God. (laughs) in your life, and in your walk with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, speak to them now and manifest the kingdom, for the kingdom is within you. In Jesus' mighty name, God bless you. Shalom. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast of Strength for the Hour. Our hope is that you have received rest, revelation, edification, sanctification, and truth. To learn more about this ministry and to be further strengthened in your faith, you can visit us at our website, www.fruitofthevine.wix.com forward slash Fruit of the Vine. There you'll find a link to our Facebook and YouTube. If you'd like to send us a letter, please write to Fruit of the Vine Ministries, P.O. Box 222, Louisville, Ohio, 44641. And for a final word of encouragement, here again is John Davidson. Thanks, Alex. You know, God anointed the New Testament writers and the Holy Spirit spoke through them and says this in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And Jesus says this in the book of Revelation, chapter 3 and verse 8. He says, listen, I know your deeds. See, I place before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Well, praise God, brothers and sisters, that the word of God was able to penetrate into our hearts today and that the Lord gave us strength through his message as he spoke the word through his word by his Holy Spirit to you where you're at in your home and in your atmosphere. So I just thank you so much for taking your time and listening to the Word of God with us today. We hope that you've been blessed, encouraged, and strengthened by the Word of God. So thank you so much. God bless you and keep you in His perfect peace. In Jesus' mighty name, Shalom. Shalom.